0: Please get your Bibles and join me as I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first four verses. We have read this passage already, but let me read it again. Moreover, brethren... I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy, precious Word. Boys and girls, it was more than 500 years ago. To be exact, it was in 1517, that Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses onto the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And this event triggered the Protestant Reformation. And at the very heart of this Reformation is the recovery of the gospel from the corrupt Roman Catholic Church. You might ask, What did the Roman Catholic Church do to the gospel? Well, the Roman Catholic Church distorted the gospel and the gospel became so distorted that it could no longer be regarded as good news. In the Roman Catholic Church, the gospel is not good, but bad, bad news. Why? Well, For instance, while the Roman Catholics do not deny the necessity of faith in Christ, added to that faith is a list of works that one must do in order to be saved. And the first in the list is baptism, without which, according to the Roman Catholic Church, no one can be saved. Saved, In their catechism, we read, and please listen carefully, the Lord Himself affirms that baptism is necessary for salvation. The church does not know of any means other than baptism that assures entry into eternal bliss. Then their catechism adds, All men may attain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. Now, this is bad news, not good news. Why? Because if salvation or entry into eternal joy is through faith, baptism, and the observance of the law, then who can be saved? Who can be saved? How do you know that you have observed God's law well enough to attain eternal life from God? And, of course, since you cannot know, you cannot have assurance of salvation. In fact, according to the Council of Trent, which was the response of the Roman Catholic Church to the Uh, Protestant Reformation, Canon 17 or 16. It says here, if anyone says that he will, for certain of an absolute and infallible certainty, have that gift, that great gift of perseverance unto the end, unless he have learned this by special or extra revelation, let him be anathema. Imagine that. According to the Council of Trent, if you claim to have assurance of salvation, if you claim that you will persevere unto the end, if you claim that with certainty, according to the Catholic Church, let you be anathema, curse upon you. Of course, they will say, unless you have learned it by special or extra revelation. Unless you have, you have received a uh, special revelation from, from, from God Himself directly. Well, of course, this teaching is in sharp contrast to what the uh, Canons of Dort teaches. Fifth Head, Article 10 of our Canons of Dort says, this assurance, our assurance to persevere, unto the end is not produced by any peculiar revelation contrary to or independent of or outside the Word of God, but springs from faith in God's promises. Yes, you can have and enjoy assurance of salvation, and that assurance comes out of God's promises. For instance, how do I know that I will, I will persevere unto the end? How do I know that I am saved? Because of what God says in His Word, because of His promise. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So how, how do you know that you will not perish anymore? Well, because of what God has said in His Word, because of His promise. And you see, the gospel, the kind of gospel that you can find In the Roman Catholic Church, it's not the true gospel, but another gospel. And the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 1 verse 8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received or we have received, Unto you, let him be accursed or anathema. Imagine that for, for the Apostle Paul, anyone who preaches any other gospel than the true gospel, let him be accursed. The Apostle Paul. Takes the gospel so seriously because the gospel is a matter of life and death. And I know that my dear father in law takes the gospel too seriously. In fact, he is known for his gospel centered preaching. The gospel is so precious, so dear to his life. In almost every conversation that I have with him, he would always talk about the gospel. Somehow he would always connect it to the gospel. He is a minister of the gospel. And so this morning, I would like to Preach to you about the gospel. The question is this: What is the gospel? Well, in this message, we will answer that question. And what I will do uh, in, in, in our remaining time is first define the gospel, second, give you six elements of the gospel, and then conclude with the proper response. To the gospel. So, first of all, let's define the gospel. I'm afraid that there are many people today who talk about the gospel but do not really know what the gospel is. They either have a distorted or oversimplified understanding. Of the gospel, and that's why it is extremely important that we define the gospel. Now, here in our text, First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse one, Paul says to his fellow believers: "Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you." The uh, Greek word for gospel here is euangelion. You eu- Angelion. And this Greek word is, is a compound word, a, a combination of two words, you, eu you, you, and angelion. Now, boys and girls, the, the, the word uh, you or that prefix uh, you simply means good. And that's why in English, we have the word, for instance, eulogy. What is eulogy? Well, it's a good word usually a word given in honor of a dead person. You, good, and logi or logos, word, good word. Now, the gospel comes from two Greek words, you and angelion. Now, this Greek word angelion simply means messenger, or angel, or message. And so when you combine the two, euangelion literally means good message. So the gospel is the good message. And with the definite article, the, the Apostle Paul wants to make it clear that there is only one good news. The gospel. Now, if Paul had said, in, in, in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you a gospel, a gospel, we should not have a problem in this world. If there is no absolute definite message, then every other message by any other religion about salvation is not necessarily wrong. But what we have here in our text is not a gospel, but the gospel. And thus, any message that contradicts the message that we have in the Bible is a false message. There cannot be two gospels. There is only one gospel. Now, of course... Uh, the uh, religious uh, pluralists will object to this uh, claim in, and argue that all religions are equally true. I remember boys and girls, um, in, in one of my uh, trips, I think I was uh, uh, visiting Iowa. I was going to preach uh, for your uh, former congregation. I happened to uh, sit right next to this uh, passenger who was originally from Japan, And the Lord opened a a, uh, door of opportunity for me to uh, share the gospel. And in our conversation, he he said to me, Well, I I like Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. But for him, Jesus is just one of the many ways toward eternal bliss. Of course, I had to disagree with love and, and respect. No, Jesus is not one of the many ways. To eternal bliss, He is the only way. As Jesus Himself makes this exclusive claim, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by Me. And Paul says, again in Galatians 1 verse 9, And we said before, so say I now, Again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, we need to take the gospel seriously. And of course, you cannot appreciate the gospel the good news unless you understand the bad news. Let me illustrate my point here. Boys and girls, listen carefully. Let's say one day you met with your doctor and your doctor said to you, I'm I'm so sorry, you have stage four cancer. And you only have a few months to live. I'm afraid not more than six months to live. You are dying. The kind of cancer that you have is so aggressive. But, he added, I know someone who can help you. In fact, this person, this oncologist, is the only doctor in the world that can help you. And He happens to, to live in Grand Rapids. And He's so kind, so gracious, so so merciful to, to His patience. Whoever comes to Him will not be cast out. He, he is more than willing to help, to help than, than you are probably to come to Him for help. If you come to Him, He will help you. Of course, upon hearing that, you would, you would right away want to see that doctor. I want to see that doctor right now. I want to go to Grand Rapids and meet that doctor who can, who can heal me from my disease, from my, from my cancer. Now, if you come to me to share that good news, if you say, Pastor Brian, guess what? I've, I've found a, a wonderful doctor who can, who can heal uh, this, this kind of cancer. Why, why don't you come to him too? Now I'll say to you, wonderful, great. And you might say, how come that you're, you're, you're not excited? How come that you're not going to see this doctor? Are you not happy to, to, to hear this news? How come that you don't? seem to appreciate this this wonderful news. Well, I would say to you, I don't need to see the doctor. As far as I know, I'm well. I have no cancer. I have no cancer. Unfortunately, that's the kind of attitude that we see in this world. You see, the reason why, why people do not appreciate our great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ, is because people don't realize that they have spiritual cancer. They don't realize that they have this disease, that they only have a few days, weeks, months, years to live. And after that, if they die without Jesus, they will perish. It's like another example, boys and girls. If right now, I give you a flashlight, probably you will not appreciate it. You will say, what for? Well, I don't need this flashlight. We have, we have a nice facility here. It's, it's bright here. But isn't it true that you appreciate your flashlight when it is dark? When it is dark And so when when you tell people about about the gospel light, they, they don't see their need of it because they don't realize that they're living in spiritual darkness. And so for us to appreciate the gospel, we must understand the bad news. That we are all sinners. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all, not some, for all, that includes you and me, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Or maybe some of you might say, well, you see, I, 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 don't, I don't know my, my, my sin deep enough. And that's why I, I, I don't really see yet my, my need of, of, of a Savior. Well, Suppose your doctor told you that you have cancer. And let's say it's not stage four, but only stage one. Would you wait until it becomes stage two or stage three or stage four before you seek for help? Especially if the kind of cancer that you have is very aggressive. You will not, you will not waste time. You will right away ask your doctor, please tell me who can help me. Point me to someone. If you cannot help me, at least tell me who can help me. You don't wait until your cancer becomes stage four. You see, it is enough for us to know that we are sinners. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Yes, just one sin. One sin. It is enough for you to be condemned to experience God's judgment, for the wages of sin is death. Oh, but here's the gospel. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, as I move on, I'll give you six elements of the gospel. Six elements of the gospel. You know what's interesting? In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus says, Repent ye and believe the gospel, with the implication that you will be saved. And yet, when the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, when when he asked Paul and Silas, What must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Notice, Paul and Silas did not say, Believe the gospel, and thou shalt be saved. Instead, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Observe also, Jesus did not say in Mark 1, verse 15, Believe in me, and thou shalt be saved. What can we learn here? Well, here we see that to believe the gospel, as Jesus said, and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul and Silas said, are essentially the same. Because the gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the gospel. And so if you were to ask me, Pastor Brian, can you, can you please define the gospel to me in, 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 in a simple way, using just one sentence, one simple sentence, he, he, uh, th- this would be my reply. The gospel is Christ. Christ is the gospel. The gospel centers on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And let me give you six elements of the gospel. We, we find three of them in our passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. First element For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. First element, death, death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and Paul says that Jesus died not for His sin, but for our sins. He, he died to, to pay the penalty of our sin, namely death. I should have died on the cross because I was the one who sinned against God. Jesus did not sin, but Jesus took my place. And that's the gospel. In our catechism, Heidelberg Catechism, question 40, we read, Why was it necessary for Christ to die? Answer, Because satisfaction of Satisfaction for our sins could be made no otherwise than by the death of the Son of God. It was the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that satisfied God's justice. And because God's justice has been satisfied, God can now pardon sinners, sinners who come to His Son for forgiveness. Now He can save sinners who, who, who believe in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered or died for our sins, that He might bring us to God. You see, boys and, boys and girls, what, what sin did to us, it separated us from, from, from God. That's why when Adam and Eve sinned against God, the relationship with God was broken. What sin does, it breaks our relationship with God. But you see, Christ died. He died to conquer that death and to bring us back to His God, to His Father, to our God. This is good news. Second element of the gospel. Look at verse 4. In our text, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4. And that He was buried. Burial. Burial. Now, why is this important? You know, what's interesting, even even our Heidelberg Catechism pays attention to this, to the importance of Christ's burial. Question 41. Why was He also buried? Answer, thereby, to prove that He was really dead. If you ever doubt whether Jesus died or not, think of His burial, that He was buried to to show to us that He really died on the cross of Calvary. That's our assurance, that He really paid the penalty of our sin. Third element, in verse 4 again, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Again, our, our Heidelberg Catechism asked this question, how does Christ's resurrection benefit us? Well, first benefit, It shows that He has overcome death. You see, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is our guarantee that Jesus has conquered and overcome death, which is our last enemy, the penalty of our sin. And therefore, those who are in Christ, death has no more power over them. Yes, yes, we will die someday, the Bible talks about that in Hebrews. It is appointed to man once to die after that judgment. But for us believers in Christ, we don't need to, 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 to be afraid uh, of, of, of this judgment day when, when we stand before Christ as our ju- judge. For there is no more condemnation to those who are in Christ And so we have this assurance that because Jesus rose from the dead, yes, we will die, but death will not hold us. We will be raised from the dead. And another blessing of His resurrection, it is a sure pledge of our own resurrection You ask me, how do I know that someday I'm going to be be resurrected, to be raised from from the grave? How do I know that? What is my guarantee? Well, I have this pledge because my Lord and Savior rose from the dead. He did not remain under the ground or he, He did not remain in the tomb. He rose again. And so those who believe in Him, will also experience that glorious bodily resurrection. Now, let me add these uh, uh, three more elements, not found in in our passage, but throughout the pages of the Bible. Number four, His birth. His birth. Luke 2, verse 10, And the angel said unto them, unto the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I bring you the gospel. What is this gospel all about? Which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You see, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is also part of that good news. He was born for our sake. And you can add this. Number five, His ascension. His ascension. Romans 8 verse 34 beautifully, beautifully reminds us. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is reason again. Who is even at the right hand of God? And, and what is Jesus doing right now as He is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty? He makes intercession for us. He pleads our cause in in heaven, in the presence of His Father. Wow, what a blessing that is. If you and I are are honest with our spiritual life, we all fail in, in, in our prayer life. Prayerlessness is probably one of our major sins. But how wonderful it is to know that we have our great high priest in heaven right now interceding, praying for us. That even when, when, when I am sleeping, when I am driving, when, when I cannot even pray to the Lord because of my heavy burden, I have Jesus in heaven pleading my cause. Praying for me. Robert Murray McShane once said, If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet this makes no difference. He is praying for me. And really, my dear Father-in-law, this is your comfort. Your Master is praying for you. He has been praying for you. The reason why we will persevere until the end, because Jesus is praying for our pers- perseverance and our preservation. How does it profit us, His ascension, that we have our flesh in heaven, a sure pledge that He as the head will also take us his members up to himself. This is another blessing of, of, his, of his ascension. Jesus ascended, and, and Jesus is our head. We are his body, and therefore, we know since the head is there, the body will someday be transported there too. He is our bridegroom. Do you think our bridegroom will, will just stay there and, and, and not come to take his, his bride with him? No! No! Men if you really love your wives, right? Yes, sometimes you be separated from them, but you want to make sure that you will be with, with 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 your own wife again. What a blessing. And then final element of the gospel, his second coming. John 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye, ye may be also. You see, this is our longing, to be with Jesus, to be with our Lord and Savior, to be with our bridegroom. Oh, how we long to hug Him and kiss Him. You know, there is a sense that right now, our worship service is is, is Virtual. Virtual in a sense that we don't see Jesus physically right now. Jesus is not with us bodily. He's not here. Yes, He is here by His Spirit. But the truth is, He ascended into heaven. But the time will come that He will return. He will return, as He Himself says, to receive us to Himself so that where He is, there we may be also. Oh, we may be also. We will be with Jesus. Imagine worshiping Jesus, that you can actually see Him eyeball to eyeball, that you can touch Him, the one who died on the cross for your sin. Imagine that. Or have you been content worshiping Him virtually? Is there a longing in your heart to be with Jesus, to see Him? You see, these are the elements of the Gospel. Maybe in order, I can give them to you again. His birth, His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, and His second coming. These six elements, boys and girls, are like rings, forming a a, a a chain. The glorious chain of the gospel, and each element is inseparably connected to each other. You, you cannot separate his, his birth from His death, or His death from His ascension. They all come together. And as ministers of, of, of the gospel, and my dear father-in-law, if I may remind you again, you preach the full gospel. Like what I said earlier, the gospel is Christ. It's all about His person. It's not about you. It's all about His work. It's all about these six elements. You proclaim them all. Of course, it doesn't mean that in, in your preaching you always Emphasize all these elements. There are times, maybe just three, like what Paul, Paul does here in our text. But you preach the, the full gospel, the whole Christ. Paul says, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Preach Christ crucified. Why? Because this is the power of God To salvation, as as Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. One of the problems of many churches today in the evangelical world Is this, the kind of gospel that is being proclaimed, being preached, being taught is not the pure biblical gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, there is no true conversion. People want to hear about the so-called prosperity gospel or health and wealth gospel. Will that gospel benefit me? Will it make me rich? Will it make me feel good? And that's the kind of of message that is being taught and preached in many churches today, not just in the U.S., but around the globe. And how can we experience spiritual revival, awakening of our souls, if the gospel is not preached? Oh, be thankful that the Lord has given you a minister of the gospel who will faithfully declare the goodness of Christ. Now, briefly, how shall we respond to the gospel, our proper response to the gospel? Let's go back to our text again. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you, The gospel which I preached unto you, which also, what? Ye have received. You have received this gospel. This is our proper response to the gospel. Receive the gospel. By the way, in Greek, the word receive can also be translated as accept. Accept the gospel by faith. In First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, uh, Paul says, This is a faithful saying and, listen now please, worthy of all acceptation. Worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Literally, it should read this way. Faithful is the Word. And the word, word there in the original is Logos. Faithful is the Logos. The written Word and the living Word. And worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Listen now please. Sinners, this is our proper response to the gospel. We need to accept the gospel. Now, by the way, when we hear the word accept in conjunction with the gospel, right away we think of the Armenian theology. No, no, no. It's a biblical expression. It is the gospel. Jesus is worthy of all acceptation. We must accept him. We must receive him fully with no reservation because He is worthy of all acceptation. You cannot just pick and choose. Well, I like this message, but not this one. This one, I can accept this, but not this one. No, no, no. Paul says, Jesus, the Logos, the gospel, is worthy because He is faithful. The gospel is faithful. Worthy of all, not some, but all acceptation. It deserves full acceptance. Full acceptance. And that's why, as as your pastor, my dear father-in-law, Pastor Barter L. South, as he proclaims the gospel to you, the full gospel, the whole Christ, your response is to receive it Fully by faith. Augustine of Hippo once said, if you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe, but yourself. You see, the gospel brings us not a work to do, but a word to believe about the work done. You know what's sad, boys and girls? The logos the living Logos, this faithful Logos, came into his own according to John chapter 1. But his own, his own covenant people did not receive him. How sad that is. Imagine he came, this is the gospel. He took the initiative out of his, his goodness. He came to his own, but his own received him not. And may I tell, may I tell you this this morning? As you are listening to the gospel message, Jesus is coming to you in the gospel. He is coming to you this morning. It is no accident that you are here this morning. He is coming to you so graciously and so mercifully. By nature, we don't want to come to Him. And so He took the initiative like what God did in the Garden of Eden. By nature, our reaction is we hide in the bushes of all our excuses, not wanting to come to Jesus. And so, this morning, He is coming to you in the gospel. The question is, will you receive Him by faith? Or will you do what the people in the old days did? He came to His own, but His own received Him not. Whoever receives Christ has eternal life. Whoever rejects Him, God's wrath remains upon Him. See, that's the good news that we have here. Now, maybe this morning, as you are listening to this message, you're saying, well, wonderful, I've heard the gospel again, but I don't need it anymore. I'm I'm already a Christian. The gospel is only for the unbelievers. I am a believer. You are dead wrong. You see, the gospel is also for believers, for all of us. To say that, well, now that I am a Christian, I don't need Christ, is is really an oxymoron. You need Christ every day. It's like when you got married on your wedding day, you and your wife exchanged uh, vows. You said to each other, I love you. And after your wedding, you say to each other, by the way, from now on, let's stop reminding ourselves that we love each other. No. My wife tells me that she loves me every day. And I don't get tired of hearing it. I need to hear it. You see, as believers in Christ, we need the constant reminder of the gospel. That now that we are in Christ, there is no more condemnation. You see, if, if, if you are a, a true child of God, you can relate to me how often we, we don't want to sin. Like the Apostle Paul, the, the, the things that, that, that we should be doing are the things that we don't do. And the, the, the things that we are supposed to do are the things that we don't do. There is that struggle in us because of the remaining sin. Not reigning sin, but remaining sin. And how often we, we're so disappointed. We're like, Lord, I, I don't know how I can face you anymore. I, I sinned again. And you, you repented of your sin and you, you, the Lord forgave you. And you sinned again and you sinned again like the prodigal son. And yet we have the gospel. That if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you. Not just forgive you, but cleanse you from all your sins. I need to hear that. My dear father-in-law, you need to hear that every day. We need the gospel every day. Someone said there are two parts to the gospel. The first part is believing it, and the second part is behaving behaving it we we need to live according to the gospel we need the gospel yes for our salvation but also for our sanctification we need to be gospel minded we need to be saturated with christ we need to smell like the gospel so that the people around us might see something of of the message of the cross Especially nowadays, we, we live in this community or, or culture, uh, society, uh, in, in which it is really hard to share the gospel. People will, will be angry with you. you. You share the gospel with them. They will be upset with you. Who wants to be told that, 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 that he or she is a sinner? No one. I remember this story. A, a missionary approached a native whom he had not seen before, and and asked, Have you ever heard the gospel? No, he replied, but I have seen it with my eyes. I know a man who used to be the terror of the neighborhood. He was a bad opium smoker and as dangerous as a wild beast, but he became completely changed. He is now gentle and good and has left off opium. You see, we may not speak the gospel, but I pray that we will not stop behaving according to the gospel so that the people around us in this community will see something. Something different in us. And they they will say, how come that you members of that Kalamazoo Reformed Church, why are you so different in your business, in your school, you young people? And they say, please tell me, why why do you act this way? Why do you have a good conscience? Please tell me. And then that will give you an opportunity to say, well, it's because of the gospel. The gospel transformed me. Jesus changed my life. So may I ask you with love, how is your life? Will people around you see that change in you? How about your own spouse? How about your own children, parents? Will they see in us that, that, that change brought by the gospel? Maybe there's no change in your life. You remain the same old person, perhaps because you have not yet received the gospel. You keep rejecting the gospel. You see, the gospel is like a soap, a bar soap, only useful when it is applied. We have the responsibility to receive the gospel and apply it. And I will end with this, illustration. A uh, soap manufacturer and an evangelical preacher were were walking along together. The uh, former, not being a Christian, the uh, soap maker said, the gospel you preach has not done much good for there is still a lot of wickedness and thousands of wicked people. The preacher was silent a while and in a few moments they passed a, a child making mud pies in the street. He was exceedingly dirty. Then the preacher's turn came. Soap has not done much good in the world, I see, for there is still much dirt, and ever so many dirty people. Oh, well, said the manufacturer. Soap is only useful when it is applied. Exactly, replied the preacher. So it is with the gospel. Yes, yes, we know that ultimately it is our blessed Holy Spirit who applies the message of the cross to our souls. But let us not forget, we have the responsibility to receive the gospel and apply it to our hearts. What kind of gospel do you believe? It is another Another than what we have in God's Word or the gospel that Paul preaches, talks about here. Let us pray. Lord, we thank Thee so much for the gospel, the goodness. We thank Thee for Thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and for all His glorious work on our behalf. Our blessed Holy Spirit, please apply the preaching of the gospel to our hearts. And bless now, too, our remaining time, even as we install our dear, dear brother, Pastor Bartel Al In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.